0: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, you're a little quiet today. That's okay, that's okay. My name's Vanessa. I have the pleasure of working on staff in our kids ministry department here at Crosswinds. And if you can't tell, I am very pregnant. And I'm so happy to be here today. I'm 37 weeks today. So to be here on stage, um, able to speak to you guys and give you the word of God is not only just such a blessing but a little bit of a miracle. And I can't wait to share a little bit more about that today. I also cannot wait because we get to dive into my favorite book of the Bible, which is Esther. I love her story. I grew up a pastor's kid in the late 90s, early 2000s, and a staple of my childhood was a show called Veggie Tales. Maybe you've seen it or heard of it. I had prided myself at one point in seeing every single episode and movie that they had come out with. If you're not familiar with the show, VeggieTales was a Christian show where fruits and vegetables would tell Bible stories or different biblical themes. Madame Blueberry's story warned of the dangers of greed, an asparagus told us the story of Jonah, and there was always Larry the Cucumber with a silly song in the middle of the episode. But my favorite show was Esther, the girl who became queen. As a girl, I loved fairy tales and I also loved the idea of ruling a kingdom one day. So this story was gold for me. I thought that Esther had won the lottery. She was chosen to be queen of Persia. She was given the opportunity to stand up and do what was right. She saved the Jewish race, which in this case was the race of the peas. Esther's story was one that I wanted to follow. It challenged me to stand up for what was right and to never give up hope that maybe one day I could also rule a kingdom. When I started to take my faith more seriously in high school, I decided to actually read the book of Esther. After all, it was my favorite story. And wouldn't you know, I was a little surprised when I found out that my beloved cartoon had left out a few big details in her story. (laughs) Esther's story was not one of ease or fairy tales. It was filled with challenge after challenge in which she had to respond with obedience. I'd like you to open your Bible or your app to Esther chapter 2 today. A little context here. We are in Persia. There's a King Ezra. He ruled over Persia in this time of 486 to 465 BC. He did not have a good reputation. He was known for spending money on lavish lifestyles and building projects that weren't necessary. He was known for his cruel punishments and being a bit of a womanizer. We start this chapter after his current wife, Queen Vashti, disobeyed the king. He had called her, um, and it's believed that he had called her to come to display herself a bit immodestly in front of all these men at a gathering because he wanted to show them that he had the most beautiful bride. She did not come. And because of her choice to not come, the king had decided to divorce her. Esther 2, verses 1 through 11. After these things, when the anger of King Ezarus had abided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given to them, and let the young woman who pleased the king be queen instead of Ashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jar, the son of Shishmi, the son of Kish, a who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives carried away from Jeconah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was to bring up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was, had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter." So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther was also taken into the king's palace and put into custody with Haggai. Oops, sorry, I skipped a little bit there. And the young woman was pleased with him and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with the cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven young women from the king's palace and advanced her and the young woman to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her to not make it known. And every day, Mordecai walked in front of the court of harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Right away, we can see that Esther's life was no fairy tale. Her people were looked down upon. In fact, they were known as the descendants of captives. Her parents are dead She was adopted by her older cousin Mordecai. She was forced to partake in the king's finding of a new queen. And this process took at least 12 months, where she would be groomed, trained, and forced to do things that we would never ask of anyone. Esther's life was hard. I can only imagine the faith and the strength it took to understand why she had to go through what she did. In verse 17, it says the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight, more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. So Esther's queen, yay! She had been asked again and again to step out in faith, and now we read there's even more to come. The king's top advisor, Haman, hated Jews. And through a series of events, the king agreed to eradicate the Jewish population. Esther 3.13 Letters were sent by carriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Remember, Esther did not disclose her ethnicity. The king had just unknowingly set a rule into place that would kill his queen. But larger than that, a decree had just been made to wipe out God's people off the face of this earth. So Mordecai made a plan. Esther 4, 8 through 17. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go before the king and beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. Then Hashel went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hasha and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman goes before the king inside the inner court without being called. There's but one law to be put to death, except for the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I've not been called to come to the king for these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think of yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than any of the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come from the Jews in another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you've come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther has lost her family, She lives in a place where she's looked down upon, was objectified, and is now being asked to speak to the king on behalf of a whole people group to try and save them. In reality, Esther knows that she's been asked to put her life on the line. She's been asked to do one more hard thing. Mordecai can't give her answers. He can't tell her why her life has turned out the way it has. The only comfort that he can give her is who knows whether you've come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe everything in Esther's life had led her here. Maybe God had promoted this orphan living in exile for reason. Esther would have to rely on God's wisdom, his courage, and his reason to face her greatest obstacle yet. And this leads me to my first point today that I want to share, that even in the midst of adversity, God is still there. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. How God is there might look different at different times. We can see in this story that Esther's community is there, that God uses those around her. He uses Mordecai to be there for her. Sometimes God comes to us through an audible voice or a strong feeling of conviction or peace, Just depends. The road to my current pregnancy has not necessarily been easy for me. It seems really trivial to compare my situation to anything Esther has had to go through, but I find strength in the goodness of God displayed in her story. I've had a few dreams in my life, and being a mother of multiple children has always been one of them. Conceiving a second child was not easy for my husband and I. I found out that I was pregnant in August of 2022 after a good time of trying. (laughs) We were ecstatic, and we told many people freely. At 10 weeks, we went in for our first ultrasound, excited and ready to see our little bean. And when the image came up, I instantly knew something wasn't right. It didn't take long for our ultrasound technician to have our OB call us. The pregnancy was not viable, and the baby didn't make it. There was no heartbeat, and it seemed as though the baby had not grown for weeks. For some of you, you might know this feeling too well. The disappointment is heavy, and there's typically a desire for answers that goes without fulfillment. There's no logic or reason. It's just something that can happen. I remember seeking God for peace in this time and finding um, Job 1 21b, and it says, The Lord gave and the Lord has received. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The book of Job is not much happier than Esther's, (laughs) if you've ever read it. And at this point, Job had lost his children. And this is what he says He says, The Lord had given him these beautiful children and the Lord had received them back in his arms. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I clung to this verse as a reminder that God is with me and all that I have is his. My husband and I were fortunate to get pregnant again shortly after our miscarriage. And in January of 2023, I found out that I was once again expecting. Nervous and thankful, we headed into this new journey. Every doctor's visit and ultrasound brought about a sigh of relief as we continued to progress. Then at 20 weeks, I woke up in the middle of the night to a large amount of blood loss we rushed to the hospital unsure of what this meant. And to our delight and surprise, our baby boy was fine. He had a strong heartbeat and was moving around. After some tests and ultrasounds, we learned I had a large clot in my uterus that had begun to rupture. And when we asked what did this mean for our pregnancy moving forward, we were told, well, your baby will either make it or it won't. Our hearts dropped. Despite baby boy being seemingly unbothered by all of this, there was a chance that the clot would bother him so much to the point of no survival. It's a lot to process. I remember my husband Ryan going home to take a shower and gathering some supplies for us. And while we were separate, the Lord both spoke to us with the same message. All that we have is the Lord's. Regardless of the outcome, we know that God is with us and he wasn't leaving us. We clung to the truth, knowing that God would get us through it. It would have been too easy to be distracted by the what-ifs of it all. And believe me, there were plenty of days where we did. We didn't really have answers, so we had to lean on God, and we sought his obedience. And for us, that meant strong and bold prayers. We went to social media, and we asked everyone to pray We know that God can do anything, including get rid of this clot. And even if we don't get the outcome that we had hoped for, we know that God would still be good. Esther knew this to be true too. God is good. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 declares, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you why we go through the challenges we go through. And believe me, I understand that many of the challenges you might be going through are harder than what I've had to go through. Yet when God is present, anything can be used for his glory. That's the second point today, that when God is present, anything can be used for his glory. God doesn't leave us, even in the toughest times. And in those tough times, God is working. All things work together for his good. Esther had a really hard decision to make. She was faced with an impossible choice. Say nothing and watch her people die or speak up. And speaking up didn't necessarily guarantee safety for her people, but it was something she was called to do. Proverbs 31 8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Esther spoke up out of obedience to God, not because it was easy, but because that was what was right. And she responded with, Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther works up the courage to see the king and she does so by inviting the king and Haman to a feast and then another feast. And during the second day of the second feast, we read that the king says in Esther 7:2, what is your wish, Queen Esther? "'It shall be granted to you. "'And what is your request to even half of my kingdom? "'It shall be fulfilled.' "'Then Queen Esther answered, "'If I have found favor in your sight, O king, "'and if it please the king,' "'Let my life be granted from my wish, and my people from my request. "'For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. "'If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent, "'for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss of the king.' "'But then King Uhazra said to Esther, "'Who is he? Where is he? Who dared do this?' And Esther said, a foe and an enemy, the wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Let's jump to chapter 8, where it says, Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agite, and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, If it please the king, and I have found favor in his sight, and if things seem to be right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, which wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahazra said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. Esther had saved her people. God is good. The Jews were charged to protect themselves against their enemy and later we read that they claimed victory over them. Esther was also given the house of Haman and we learned that Mordecai was honored and promoted to supervise all the possessions of the house. Eventually he had become second in command to the king as the grand visor and because of his statue he was able to continually protect and support the Jewish population. Esther went from an orphan to a queen who owned land and had her own possessions. This is never an outcome that she could have predicted. She simply chose to be obedient to God, even in adversity. She sought his will through it all. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Esther's life was hard. It was not a fairy tale. But she continued to press forward and seek God's will. She listened to those around her. She listened to those around her and stepped out in bold obedience. She didn't get distracted by the what-ifs of it all; she focused on what God could do in her circumstance in her situation. She was a woman placed in a unique and hard place, and she chose to follow God in the midst of it. Doing the right thing does not mean it's easy. It takes work and dedication to do what's right and follow God. That's why we call them spiritual disciplines. The world would have you seek worry and fear and doubt, but God would pray to have you find peace and comfort and hope in him. And when the burden is too heavy, your church family and your community is there. Situations will arise that don't make sense in our heart, but we can choose how we respond in those times. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Philippians 4:8, which says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. No matter my earthly situation, I desire to praise God. All that I have is his. I pray that my response will always honor him in the midst of any situation I'm in. My little boy is big and healthy today. The clot eventually shrunk so much that it's no longer a concern in this pregnancy. We received a miracle that we had prayed for and we don't take lightly the gift that God has given us. I won't stop sharing the story of God's goodness and God is not good because he answered our prayers. God is good because he was always there. God was good now. He was good then. He will always be good. God is right there, even in the worst of it, and he'll give us the tools to get through it. We just have to choose this bold obedience. It would have been so easy for me to focus on the what ifs, and like I said, I did. There were many days where I did. But in those days, it was the community that we had around us who was praying for us, and I can't even tell you the kind of peace that we were able to experience, a peace that transcends all understanding because of those prayers and because of that community. We're so thankful for those who checked in on us and who prayed. We're able to experience God in a new and beautiful way in that season. When Esther was faced with this hard decision, Mordecai was right there. Her people were right there carrying her when that burden was so heavy. I leave you today with this. Don't let the hardships of life distract you from the goodness of God. Our relationship with God may not be filled with fairy tales. It will involve hard situations. We know this to be true because Satan and the world has said it to be true. They don't want us to see a relationship with God. They don't want us to have a relationship with God. So be bold and seek God's face. Speak up, lean into your community. Esther was obedient not because she initially wanted to be. (laughs) She was obedient because she had a group of people around her encouraging her to do the right thing. God will use you, but who knows what that looks like? When he's present, anything can be used for his glory. When you find yourself questioning why in these hard times, I pray that you're able to respond like Esther I pray that you're able to draw closer to him, seek help from those around you, and be bold in your next step. Who knows, perhaps you were meant to be right here, right now, for such a time as this. How will you choose to respond? Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for just this day that we're able to come here and spend in your word, hearing your truths and hearing how you're working in the midst of it all. I pray for everyone here today that no matter what situation they're in, that they're able to draw closer to you, that the world would not push them further from you, but that the community around them would love on them and take that burden so that they can experience your goodness in a way that only you can provide. I thank you for my little boy who's growing and healthy and being able to be here today to give your word. I thank you for your goodness that is true now and always. I pray that as we leave here today, we are challenged to go where God will lead us, to take that next step and to find our truths in you, Lord. We pray this all in your name, amen.